This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Felix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Thanks for being here once again as We end the week here on a Friday, getting ready for a massive weekend in Mariners history. Of course, Ken Griffey Jr. going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. It's going to be such a big weekend for not only Ken Griffey Jr., not only the Mariners, but Seattle Mariner fans as well as they get to celebrate the first player going into the Hall of Fame wearing a Seattle Mariners cap, and it's one of the best that has ever played the game in Ken Griffey Jr. So in this podcast with the off day yesterday, we're going to spend a lot of time getting ready for this weekend, celebrating Ken Griffey Jr. We're going to hear his speech when he went into the Mariners Hall of Fame coming up in a few minutes. We're also going to hear a great conversation with Rick Riz and the kid and also some other um, another feature uh, put together on Ken Griffey Jr., in addition to the one we heard yesterday. So a lot on Ken Griffey Jr. coming up as well. Also a big weekend on the field for the Mariners. We're going to have a ton to talk about next week uh, with the trade, the trading deadline coming up. A lot of moving parts in this one as the Mariners, they take two of three against the White Sox, and now they're staring at what is really a brutal road trip, three in Toronto. They'll play a couple in Pittsburgh, sandwich with some off days, and then the Cubs the weekend after, and of course Sunday Night Baseball coming up. So a really big road trip coming up for the Mariners. Here's how the pitching lines up for the next three days for the M's. Taking the ball tonight, James Paxton will go. 407 first pitch here locally against Marco Estrada. Estrada followed up last season's stellar year with another fantastic year skepticism on whether he could continue but he certainly has and he's had a nice year an era under three paxton this year two and four a four five six era hisashi okuma who has been outstanding will take it on saturday 1007 first pitch so day baseball iwakuma 10 and 6 a 401 era he'll face the knuckleballer R.A. Dickey, 7-10, a 4-1-1 ERA. Still waiting on the Sunday starter. Mike Montgomery was originally the scheduled starter. Obviously, he won't be making that turn. Traded to the Chicago Cubs. Again, 10-07, first pitch on Sunday. Former Mariner Jay Happ will go for Toronto, 12-3, a 3-4-3 ERA. And we've talked about it. The Mariners still in the stretch of competition in the American League that are right there with them. And Toronto is right there 
in the pile as well for the American League. Just they're all fighting it out. So we'll see what the Mariners can do on the road. Tough place to play, tough team to play, and a team that can certainly swing the sticks. So a lot on the Mariners pitching coming up, and then Pittsburgh and Chicago as well. So it's going to be a big series, a fun series, and we'll have a ton to talk about on the podcast next week. One more thing before we get to Griffey. I promise this. I had <laughs> I had more requests for this than you probably would think. But Hawk Harrelson, who we talked to, oh, we had him on the podcast last year, had him on the air last year. A long-time baseball guy, player forever. He's been the White Sox voice for a long time. And he's got some very unique home run calls. A lot of enthusiasm when the White Sox hit him, not so much when they don't. So I had requests for the two walk-offs that the Mariners hit and the calls from Hawk Harrelson. So I'll play the first one. This is the Lind one. The 0-1 pitch, swing and a fly ball, deep right center field. Back she goes and this one is going to be gone. Goodbye baseball. He did it again. Adam Lind with a walk-off three-run home run here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Mariners win it 4-3. His second walk-off of the year. It just got out of here to right center field. Adam Lind with a pinch hit. Three-run home run here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Holy smokes. They are going crazy here at Safeco Field. High and deep. And we lose this ball game four to three. And here's the Martine one as the Mariners beat the White Sox again with another walk-off. Again, the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a high drive deep to right field. Eaton going back. Looking up. Goodbye baseball. Another walk-off home run. Leonis Martine, his second of the season. And the Mariners win it. 6-5 over the Chicago White Sox. His second home run of the afternoon. The fourth of the day for the Mariners. Martin mobbed by his teammates. How sweet it is. Uh-oh. This ball game is over. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. And now we'll hand things over to Rick Riz 
as he chats with Ken Griffey Jr. Jr., congratulations on being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. What went through your mind when you finally got that call saying that you were the newest member of the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? Uh, I didn't want to mess it up. And we're sitting there going, okay, I don't want to mess this up. I just want to play, <laughs> have some fun, and get, get it done. Didn't you have to wait 20 minutes? Was that the longest 20 minutes of your life waiting for that call? Uh, yeah, it was the longest 20 minutes, but uh, it was well worth it. It was long, but you know you don't want to mess it up. But it was it was quite interesting and quite fun. When he said, "Can I?" I'm looking for King Griffey Jr. I was like, "Yeah, that's me." So, you know, it was it was good. Did you try to make it a typical day, as typical as it could possibly be, knowing you were going to get that phone call? And what did you do that day? I got up, took the garbage out, got the dogs, did all the things I was supposed to do. Took Trey to lunch. Then uh, we went uh, back home, waited there, had some people come over. Then uh, the media came over, waited for the phone call, and just tried to be as patient as possible and had no idea that uh, it was going to be that high. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a shock. But at at the same time, it was relieved that it was over, and now everything started, you know, because I had to get up the next morning. Well, you kicked that door down with both feet get into the Hall of Fame. You're the first player going in with a Mariner cap on, so that's significant. But the second Mariner, Dave Niehaus, went in broadcast wing in, in 2008. And uh, what, do you, what do you think David would say if he were sitting here right now looking at you? Uh, he would be happy, smiling, grab me by my head, give me a hug, and say, come here, son, congratulations. And what took you so damn long? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in, in that voice. Uh, and I could just hear it ringing in my head. Uh, what took you so long? You know, in his monotone voice, you know, he called my first home run, he called my last home run. You know, I think that for him, he's such a big part of this organization. A lot of people still miss him day in and day out, especially when we have great moments in, in Mariner history to be able to hear his voice. You hear his name and you automatically go, okay, here it comes. You know, the the calls, I mean, the my oh my, the grand salami, you know, yeah. bring out the rye bread, you know, certain things that you hear. But that's something special. Obviously, the numbers were there, 630 career home runs, 13 all-star games, 10 gold gloves, seven, seven silver slugger awards. What stands out about your 22 years in the big leagues, Junior? That as a, as a kid, I got a chance to, to be a part of, number one, something special. The guys that I grew up with, we're still friends. And that's something that you can't take that away from us, is that we are still friends to this day. And that's the the key, is we're more concerned about everybody's family than what we did on the field. But before, when we didn't have any kids, it was like, what'd you do? How'd you do? Uh, Now it's, you know, hey, how the kids doing? We were a family, and, you know, they're just as big of a part of, my Hall of Fame is, is I am. Kenny, when I say 1995, you were injured early in the year, shattered your wrist late May, came back in August. What do you recall about that 1995 season? Why were you guys able to do what you did and get this team and this city to the playoffs for the very first time? I think we all grew up at one, one time. It was one of those things we all uh, realized that we can play this game and we can compete with the big boys and – once we were able to get over that hump, 
and we felt that we can compete day in and day out with those guys, it made a difference in our day-to-day -day approach to, to playing teams that we know we could beat and we should beat and the guys that you know we were like okay maybe if we split or win the series two to one that was the turning point which is now we were winning series instead of losing those series and then losing the teams that we should be we we had a, a different confidence in, in uh, ourselves day in and day out what made you such a great defensive center fielder there's two sides to to baseball offense and defense and if you're just an offensive player they're going to pull you out in the seventh inning, and you may not get that extra at bat. So go out there and play defense just as well as you play offense so they can't pull you. You right. don't want to give them any reason to pull you. You know, I took pride in, in defense. If you go 0 for 4, but you make a great, a great play in the, uh, on the defensive side, that's just as rewarding as you going 4 for 4. Because you don't want to go 4 for 4 and lose, but you can go 0 for 4 and make a great play, and it's the same thing. It's, yeah, you, you, you feel good because the team won, and I think it became – what was more important, the team winning. I mean, you started, you know, with Joey and everybody getting guys over, getting them in, making sure, you know, we did the little things and then the big things are going to happen. And I think that that was one of the things is we always made sure if we did the little things, the things that we can control, the big things are going to happen, the, you know, the two, three run homers are going are gonna to happen. And they did. What would you like to tell the fans here in Seattle, Junior, about the last few days and being inducted into the Hall of Fame? Get ready. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the icing on top of the cake. You know, the fans here have been unbelievable. The Twitter feeds that I get because I don't have Twitter. On Instagram, when I post something, you know, the friends, the, the news, the things that I get to see. I mean, it, it's been overwhelming, and they're just as part, big part of this as everybody else. I mean, you know, they're going to be here supporting me and, and the, the team throughout this. I'll tell you one thing, Junior, it was fun watching you play the game of baseball, fun watching you have so much fun for 22 years, a Hall of Fame career, 13 years of it in a Mariners uniform. We had a chance to call you our, our own, and now you belong to the entire game of baseball. Congratulations on your selection to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, buddy. Well deserved. Thank you. And it feels a little weird still. <laughs> it doesn't feel right yet. It hadn't sunk in. Because uh, uh, they were like, hey, you got to change your name. I'm like, change my name to what? They're like, uh, it's Hall of Famer, Ken Griffey Jr. And I was just like, yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. And they're like, no, you have to say Hall of Famer. I'm like, uh, but, you know, I guess it'll, as it goes on, I'll get, I'll start to understand it. Yeah. More and more I do it. But right now, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, a guy from Denora, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Stan Musil from Denora. Congratulations, buddy. We love you. Thank you. There goes Joey, the pitch, swung on and melted! Deep to right field, the Mariners have done it! Fly away! Junior with a two-run home run! Thank you. Thank you for, you know, paving the way for, for somebody like me, a, you know, a kid growing up in Oklahoma having a dream of playing in the uh, major leagues. Um, you, you know, he, he definitely uh, motivated me to to want to be a baseball player. And, um, you know, he's one of the reasons why I started. I picked up a bat and started playing. That was San Diego Padres outfielder Matt Kemp. Current Boston Red Sox ace David Price shares his memories of Ken Griffey Jr. His easy swing, you know, his swing, his finish, just his, his big smile, you know, having his hat backwards in BP, just uh, having fun with what he did. You know, he was obviously extremely talented and you know one of the best to uh to ever patrol the outfield and to uh to stand in that left-handed batter's box but um just 
watching him, you know, growing up and just having all those moments and hitting all those big hits and making those great catches, you know, that was uh, that was definitely very special. And the 3-2 pitch to Jesse now, and the slider swung on and a high fly ball hit into deep left center field. Back goes Griffey. He's back to the wall. Makes the leap, and does he make the catch? He does! Omar Vizquel, one of the best defensive shortstops to play the game, pays an extremely high compliment to his former teammate. He looked like a shortstop out there in center field. You know, he gets to every ball. He was uh, reckless sometime. Uh, we remember how he got hurt when he go after that ball in center field when he broke his hand. And, and all the other plays, you know, jumping uh, uh, after a ball, like climbing walls and doing all this stuff. You know, the guy was just unbelievable. It was so fun to watch him play. And I think that he changed the whole mentality of the Seattle Mariners at that time. Uh, you know, a lot of people was coming down just to see Griffey, just to pay that ticket. And, uh, you know, I, I was just as as uh, uh, amazed uh, uh, how they, how this guy played the game. 3-2 pitch on the way. Swing, and it's a fly ball. Right center feeling deep. On the run, Diaz and Griffey. Griffey up against the wall, jumps up, and he makes the catch. He crashes into the fence. Griffey leaped right into the wall. A man that knew Ken Griffey Jr. from almost the beginning, Billy Hatcher. I've known Ken Griffey Jr. for a long time. I played with his dad here, so I actually went and saw Griffey play over at Moeller High School a couple of times. And, you know, he was special then. Uh, but then again, I played against him and uh, just watching him when he was in Seattle uh, for five to ten year period, he was the best there was in baseball. It was, I mean, it was no comparison. Here comes the 3-0 pitch to Junior. He swings and a high fly ball belted. Green to the track, the wall. Number 56. Hall of Fame broadcaster for the Texas Rangers, Eric Nadell, mentions Ken Griffey Jr.'s place in baseball history. He's pretty far up there. Now, I saw Willie Mays, I saw Roberto Clemente and Hank Aaron and Mickey Mantle. I don't know really how he compares to those guys, but it's hard to say that he takes a back seat to any of them. Fastball at time, belted, deep to right field, number 400 is on its way, there it goes, Ken Griffey Jr. has it is four. Famer and current manager of the Minnesota Twins, Paul Molitor. You know, it, it's just more about the beauty in which he played the game. Um, you know, I was fortunate to see him for a long time, and there's a certain gracefulness that he brought to his at-bats, to his defense, the way he ran the bases. It looks like work for most of us, you know, but he was such a grace, graceful athlete. Um, I did get a chance to know him a little bit off the field through the years and, you know, various charitable, charitable events in, in the wintertime. When you're competing against the best of the best, it was a real privilege for me to watch him as a young kid turn into the man he became and to go on to become one of the greatest players in the history of the game.
Thank you. I have so many things running through my mind. And I can honestly say I am thankful to be a part of the Seattle Mariners. There's so many people to thank from the front office to the media to the fans. I wasn't expecting to see Trey up on the board. And I can honestly say, Jay, I know what you're going through now. <laughs> it's all your fault. As a 17-year-old kid getting drafted by Seattle, I had no idea what I was in for. Coming here at 19, meeting my wife here, having two kids here in Seattle, and then one little guy in Orlando. As you can see, there's another never a dull moment in my house with him. My parents let me be me. You know, they let me run around the house, play baseball, tear up stuff. Uh, you know. Break a few windows. You know, but my dad said, you can't teach that swing, so let it go. Mom would be a little upset, but it was okay. <laughs> Coming here at 19, you know, having to, you know, be from the Midwest, coming to Seattle, which I call the melting pot of the United States. Because it doesn't matter what color, what race, what anything you are, people treat you like people. And being up here with six of the most respected people that I know. And starting off with Alvin, who is Mr. Mariner. Who also is the calmest person I know. Because he didn't get mad at all. And he would just say, hey, settle down. And I'd be like, uh, no. And he'd just be like, sit down, we're going to talk. And those talks would end up being three or four hours because I wasn't listening, and he drilled it in me. But he is my older brother. And then I have Edgar. the greatest right-handed hitter I've ever played with. 
I got the little guy in the middle, Randy. The most dominating pitcher. I, I can't say enough for him. The things that, you know, I, I was his locker partner, so my story is a little different than most of your guys. You know, Randy would come in smiling, and then the media come in, and he'd frown up, and then nobody messed with him. And it was cool with me, because then it, nobody stand by me. Uh, you know, during spring training, you know, our group would be Jay, Edgar, and myself, Randy throwing BP. He would throw BP and see how far we hit it, and then he'd start laughing. And then the first time I faced him for real, he drilled me. <laughs> but he did say I was sorry as I went down to first base. Got Dan Wilson. probably the most fiery person that I know. Always wanting to win, always prepared, um, and probably the only person on the team that was willing to tell Randy, shut the hell up. And then I got the guy that announced everybody here. His wife is sitting here today because he can't make it, but he is here. I'll tell you a little story about Dave the first time I met him. Is he came into spring training. Well, I should say I came into spring training. And I'm looking at him, and he's got these little short shorts, pale legs, calf-high socks, and white shoes, and a yellow shirt. And I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. And he introduced himself and says, I'm, I'm Dave. I'm the announcer. And I just looked at him, and I was like, you know, the sun is free. <laughs> and then I went out and took batting practice. And I didn't make the team that year. The next year I made the team and he got me back, but I'm not going to tell you what he said. That's between me and Dave. <laughs> but I couldn't think of a better announcer, another play-by-play -play guy, to announce, number one, my first home run and my last home run.
And really all that thanks goes to Mrs. Niehaus, not Dave. And I got Howard, Chuck, and John. I can't say enough for the friendship that we have, and, and it's not baseball related. It, it's more of I really want to say this. If you think, if you think that these these three guys don't want to win, you're sadly mistaken. I know that some days are are better than others, but to have these three guys as ownership and get a chance to talk to them and know them, they want to win and bring a championship to this city. I want to say something to the, the guys to my left. We were just like you, all of us here sitting here. I was 19, Jay was 22, 23, Randy, 22, 23. We grew up. We believed in each other, and we made it happen. And you guys can do it too. I have my medical staff over there. That group over there that every time that I got hurt, I would call. And being sometimes on the East Coast, I'd call them at like 5 o'clock in the morning and told them what happened, and they would say, hey, this is what you need to do. And I would do it. And that's Rick and Dr. Dorr. I have Dave Valley over there trying to hide but I'm going to talk about him. Dave's got one of the biggest hearts. You know, the things he does for, for so many people. Esperanza comes down, he flies from Seattle, stops off in Orlando for a couple of days. We play golf. And then he goes over there. He's an unbelievable person. And I'm honored to call all these guys my friends and brothers. Now, I've saved 
Wow, now I'm gonna get to really my mom and dad. My, see, my dad just gave me that look. See, he turned around, and I'm gonna turn around and look at y'all. <laughs> but uh, my mom and dad were unbelievable. Like I said, they let me be a kid. Basketball season came around. I played basketball, football, football. They weren't concerned about me making it to the big leagues. They wanted me to be a kid and enjoy the things that kids do. You know, I'd call my dad and ask him for some advice about hitting. And I was struggling one time, and he would tell me, and it didn't seem right. And my mom would just say, just call him. He understands that, because he would have to show me. But he is the one player that I look at and wanted to be like. And then I have my mom, who, while my dad was playing, drove me and my little brother to all our sporting events. Me and my brother around the same age, 18 months apart. So she would drive one of us, drop the other one off, watch half the game, have the coach drive the, me or my brother back to wherever we were so she could watch half the game. I didn't realize how much dedication that my mom had until I retired. And then I went home and I sat on my couch for the first two days and my wife looked at me and says, well, we've got to go to Tennessee, Atlanta, Chicago, back to Atlanta, Augusta, and then home. And I looked at her and said, how long are we going to be gone? And she said, that'll be for the next three weeks. And I looked at her like, I'm not going. I went. I've got... Lynn Merritt. who the first time I met Lynn, he says, I can't do nothing for you now, but if you keep playing, I got you. That was 24 years ago. You notice that, you will notice if you look at the Heat game, Lynn will be in the front row of every Miami Heat game. He's over there. He's also another one of my older brothers that will tell me what I'm doing wrong at any given time. Got my agent, Brian Goldberg. Had him since I was 17. Been a part of my family's life since I was 
14th. That about right? You know, you can't talk to agents before you, you get signed, so I had to make, clarify that with the, the NCAA over here. <laughs> uh, he's been there when I've called at 3, 4, 5 in the morning asking for advice on certain things. And I can't thank those two guys enough for being in my camp since I was a, a young kid. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys as fans because sometimes you don't hear about what I have to say or it comes out wrong. What I'm going to tell you is that you guys, you know, you got across the street, they got the 12th man. Well, on this side of the street, we need the 10th man. You guys are important. When you show up and we look at y'all in the stands going, ooh, it's going to be a good day. If you don't show up, we look and say, oh, well. But you guys are important, more than what you think you are. And I know sometimes it gets a little frustrating. We get frustrated because we want to go out there and perform. And we want you guys to, when you drive home, to say, wow, I was there for that, and have a smile on your face. We're not trying to mess up. We're not trying to, to make you guys upset in any way. We just want you guys to be happy on the 20, 30, 40, two-hour drive, in some cases, five-hour drive home. But you guys should be patient with these guys. I know that we're going in the right direction because I spent a lot of time and a minor league system to see what we got coming up. But before I go, I waited till last to talk about Jay. I'm not going to tell no stories. Uh, okay, maybe one. Uh, of all people that I would consider my brother from another mother, a guy who listens to country music, wears cowboy boots, big belt buckles, I got 17 speakers in a car, sweatsuits, rap music, two people that are so far apart on every level became really close. Now, I don't know if that's the pitching changes that we had and I went over to left, I mean right field and he came over, but there is no other person 
in, in this world, other than my parents, that if, if something ever happened to me or my wife, that I would want to raise my kids. I would, in, in closing, I'm going to just say this. I am truly honored and humbled to be associated with these people here. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Love you too. I wasn't really going to speak this long because I never prepare for anything, as you know, like, you don't have a speech. I always speak from the heart. And I think that's the most important thing is that, you know, you may have. Sometimes I may have been standoffish. I didn't mean to. I just wanted to play baseball. And that was the only thing that really mattered was me going out there, playing and, and trying to win ball games for this team. But I want to thank all y'all. I want to thank the Mariners organization for being a part, letting me be a part of something special. Thank you. I just want to say thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 